Today is Monday, September 25th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A disastrous new poll for President Biden. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating. And as always, you can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. We'd love to hear from you. And joining me today, well, it's just me flying solos. Billy's out, Trey's out. So you just have yours truly today to saunter through the news of the cray, as we like to call it. We have a lot coming up on the podcast today, including that new polling that I mentioned just a moment ago, showing the new numbers head-to-head, hypothetical between Trump and Biden, the rematch. How that's looking up, it's not good for President Biden. We'll have the details on that. Also on the main thing, a new report shows that school districts across the country are now considering and hiring teachers based on their social and political views aka DEI scores. Madison Seals has the details on that development. But first, we're going to get through the news here in 90 seconds. A 19-year-old Christian woman in England passed away after being denied experimental treatment abroad. Due to a court decision and hospital actions, the woman was battling a rare genetic mitochondrial disease and had been in a legal battle with NHS for over six months to seek permission for treatment in Canada. The Court of Protection prevented her and her family from fundraising for the treatment, citing her lack of capacity to make medical decisions. This despite evidence from two psychiatrists saying otherwise. Story brings up memories of Charlie Gardner, the young UK boy whose parents fought to save his life but ended up fighting against the NHS instead just to exercise what they thought was best also reminds of Terry Shivo, whose feeding tube was pulled despite loved ones saying they would care for her. She was essentially starved to death. California Governor Gavin Newsom vetoed AB 957, a bill that aimed to make judges consider a child's affirmed gender identity in custody cases. Newsom in a statement said he appreciated the bill's intentions, but expressed concerns about potential misuse by other officials in different states. And God is moving. Baptist Church in Kentucky celebrates 100 salvations and 46 baptisms. You can read more about that story over at cbnnews.com. And this story from the UK, again, this is one of those stories that's in the UK. So you think, well, maybe it's not going to happen over here. But as I mentioned, we had Terry Schiavo years ago, a similar instance where family wanted to care for her, but there was a dispute in that case with other family members who said otherwise that her wishes were verbally announced, even though it wasn't in writing. Her tube ended up being pulled and she passed away. Charlie Gard, another child in the UK whose parents just wanted to try treatment in a different area, which is almost unfathomable to think that parents wouldn't be able to just say, hey, we want to try to take our kids over there. Can you imagine that? And the healthcare system, the NHS, telling you, no, you can't do that. We think this is best. It has to be incredibly frustrating for parents in that situation, for loved ones in that situation. And we'd be naive to think that those ideas are not gaining steam over here in America, where people are saying out loud now in one way, shape, or form or another that the government knows best 
that they know what to do, and you don't know as a parent, here is the best thing for society, for the cost of the healthcare system, et cetera. So we need to have our eyes on stories like this. First and foremost, this is a Christian family here in the UK going through this, and we need to be praying for them. That's a terrible loss, and it has to be weighing on their hearts heavy that they were trying to do this, but were prevented. And they'll just never know if this other experimental treatment would have worked or not. And they're going to be going through a lot for the rest of their lives wondering about that. So we certainly need to be praying for that. And we need to be praying for our own protections here in America that we don't relinquish these protections that we have and these rights that we have as parents to make choices for our own children and not hand that over and delegate that responsibility to the government or a government-funded health care system. All right, we are going to head over to the focus story now. And it's this poll that I mentioned at the top of the podcast here. ABC News polling. They spelled some potential really bad news for Democrats and Joe Biden. The headline, I kind of chuckled at this, said that Trump edges out Biden in this poll 51 to 42 in a head-to-head matchup. That's actually quite a significant margin for these, as far as these numbers go. But just recently, if you'll recall, Joe Biden took ownership of Bidenomics. They said, hey, we're proud of Bidenomics. Here's what we're doing. And they list all of these things. And it seems to be backfiring. I mean, perhaps this is one of the political narratives that can't be overcome by reality. 44% of Americans in this ABC News Washington Post poll say they've gotten worse off financially under Biden's presidency. That's the most for any president in a similar poll since 1986. Just 37% approve of his job performance, while 56% disapprove and still even less approve of Biden's performance on the economy, specifically only 30%. Immigration doesn't get any better at the U.S.-Mexican border, where His rating on that topic has only a 23% approval. And to make matters even worse, 74% say he's too old for a second term. That's up six points since last May. And Trump obviously is not a spring chicken either when it comes to age, but views from people that Trump is too old, they're up, but to 50% in this poll. So significantly less concerned are Americans about Trump's age than they are about Biden's, which obviously probably has a lot to do with the way he's just acting in public. And you see some of these ticks and things that have people very, very concerned. And some are saying that maybe this is an outlier poll as the RCP, the Real Clear Politics average, they have Trump at only uh, plus one, which is still ahead. And the RCP average has been a very reliable source. If you're looking to track polls and get a sense of how things really are, instead of cherry picking certain polls, in regards to recent elections, if you look back at the Real Clear Politics average, which they take some of the major polls, a lot of them, and average them together, it's a great way to sort of weed out maybe these outlier polls and see what's actually happening. If you look at the past few elections, which I did recently, and, and they, they come up pretty accurate within a couple of points in, in most of the elections when it comes to the general elections. And so you can get a good sense of where things are tracking. doesn't mean it's going to end up where it is now, but the bigger thing aside from the head-to-head matchup is looking at these individual topics and these issues and where Biden is at on that. I mean, this is significantly 
lower than most incumbents have had. Even Trump, towards the end of his first term, when you had all the press lined up against him and constantly criticizing him, not exactly what you have now. And even his numbers weren't this low. And so President Biden very much struggling. It's going to be interesting to see how this keeps going. But considering that he decided to take ownership of Bidenomics, it's very interesting to me, real pain versus political narratives, which one's going to win? And when you see the interviews and some of these reports from the press, people of all walks, all politics, all different backgrounds, they still have to buy groceries, they still have to buy gas, and they still have bills at the end of the day. And when that becomes difficult, which it is right now, everyone has gone to the grocery store and have had sticker shock. And it happens week in and week out because we all got to eat. We have families and we have kids that are hungry. So it's real pain out there. And people, interestingly, are pinning it on President Biden. It's the buck stops at the top. And he's not getting any relief from that whatsoever with flack from the press trying to point it elsewhere. It's going to him. And if that sticks... It's going to be very interesting to see what Democrats decide to do if they decide to put some other candidates in to challenge Joe Biden. Very rare, very rare for that to happen. But I think it's a real possibility this time around. And we'll continue reporting on that over at CBNnews.com. All right, we are going to head over to the main thing now. And a new report is showing that school districts across the country, this is really concerning. They're considering hiring teachers now based on their social and political views. This used to be something that you didn't know as a student. When I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, and you never knew what your teachers thought, and now they're going to be hiring them based on that. And this is related to these DEI scores that you may have heard about, diversity, equity, and inclusion. They're considering this now in schools. Well, Madison Seals talked to Cherise Trump, who has no relation to the former president, She's executive director of Speech First, and they've been battling these DEI-type regulations and standards in court. And they break it all down, this latest trend, on today's Main Thing. Since you clarify this in your Twitter bio, I think we should clarify it here, too, that you are not related to the former president, Donald Trump. Is that correct? <laughs> no, no relation there. <laughs> okay. Well, a name carries a lot of weight, so it's always good to just be clear. The organization that you are executive director of called Speech First has been fighting against this new organizational framework known as Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, or DEI, that's really taken over hiring departments and everything from corporations to food chains and schools across mm -hmm. the country. Can you first clarify what diver diversity, equity, and inclusion means and what its purpose is? Yeah, well, the people who want diversity, equity, and inclusion will tell you that they're just they're doing just that, that they're trying to um, create a world where everyone feels included, everyone feels safe, and everyone feels represented. Unfortunately, in practice, it's quite the opposite. What you'll see is in order to force diversity, you have to discriminate against other races. Uh, in order to force inclusion, you have to force opinion and compel speech and compel ideas. And in, in order to enforce equity, that means you're enforcing 
equal outcomes, not equal opportunity. And so this is where it really breaks down when you start to see what it looks like in practice. In theory, it sounds nice, like puppy dogs and you know flowers and butterflies, but really ultimately at the end of the day, this is breaking down the fundamental system that we already had in place in, in this country for equality of opportunity. Uh, you know, when you're thinking about what, who's gonna be represented, what, you know, a meritocracy is supposed to look like, people work hard and earn their keep and that's something that is falling by the wayside very quickly because of a lot of these DEI policies that we're seeing especially in universities. Right and I want to get into this breakdown a little bit. A new report from the National Opportunity Project reveals that school districts across America are now considering teachers social and political views in addition to instructional qualifications like experience or a degree during the hiring process which probably doesn't come as a surprise to many of us. You recently tweeted in response to this report pointing out some of the consequences of prioritizing DEI policies over teaching credentials. So can you talk about what we're seeing in schools, some of these consequences? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we're seeing with the hiring processes that were uh, mentioned in the article you brought up and in the research report that came up, uh, this is going as far as in the interview panels for teachers in K through 12, they're now trying to guarantee that they have an LGBTQ member on that panel or a member or members of various races on that panel in order to essentially act as political litmus testers for the teachers that they're interviewing, because they do have you know, an ultimatum. They do have a goal here, a political agenda, and they want to make sure that they're not bringing in people who are going to counter their political agenda or who are going to shut it down. And what we're seeing with that prioritization uh, of DEI and, and their own political agendas is a complete breakdown of the education system. Now, this was something that America has been struggling with for quite a while. And you would think that instead of pouring millions and millions of dollars into these DEI programs and DEI trainings, that you would actually want to do something about maybe the fact that when students graduate high school, a huge percentage of them have to take remedial classes in math, science, and writing. And this is, you know, 60%, I think, of community college students and 40% of undergrads at four-year colleges have to take remedial classes. This is taxpayer-funded classes, or these are essentially going to be taxpayer-funded via student loans. And a lot, I think it was 30% of the students who have to take those remedial classes don't even make it past their first year of college. So they're going to be dropping out and they're going to have the some student loan debt. They're not going to have the education from high school or from college, but they're in debt anyway. And so this is like this kind of vicious cycle of, of um, what's happening with our education system where not prioritizing actually educating the students is leading to this fundamental breakdown um, and the things that are truly, truly important. I mean, we're talking about basic math reading and writing skills. This is not, we're not asking for advanced calculus by the time you get to college. The fact that they can't even function at a regular level of math, but somehow are graduating high school should be very deeply concerning for everyone. Right. Yeah. With these plummeting test scores and dropout rates and everything, before long, there won't be any qualified teachers to choose from. The only thing that will be available to pick from will be based off of DEI scores if this continues. And we've heard people blame this national drop in test scores and reading proficiency on COVID. And granted, that played a role for sure. But COVID also really exposed a lot of the ideologies that are being taught in schools already. It doesn't take a college degree to recognize that hiring teachers based mostly on anything but their proficiency in a subject is going to have negative implications on students. I want to bring up an example that you alluded to earlier 
Um, something that the National Opportunity Project also found was that city schools of Decatur and Georgia require hiring teams to, quote, ensure that there is at least one person of color and one woman or gender fluid individual on the interview panel. And just to be clear, there's nothing wrong with diversity. That's not what we're saying. But these standards are very, very specific. What do you think is the ultimate goal of diversity, equity and inclusion? Yeah, I mean, you can't help but speculate what some of these goals are and start to get a little bit cynical when you really think deeply about it. Because, I mean, if you're if you're taking this radical political agenda and you're trying, you're encouraging the breakdown of our basic math, reading and writing skills what else are you leaving? You're leaving this vacuum that you can fill with your own ideas. You can manipulate students. You can um, you can try to essentially brainwash them and get them to the point where they're very compliant um, because they don't know much and you're ensuring that by making sure they come out pretty deeply uneducated. Uh, and then you're plugging in all of your political ideas, um, which don't really follow logic in a lot of ways, um, but you're convincing them that it does. And then you're kind of throwing them out into the world to do your bidding. And you, you can't help but wonder, and like I said, and get relatively cynical about it uh, when you start to think deeply about how this normal level of normalization of this type of politics in school is, is going to start affecting everyone. And, you know, in K through 12, it is to normalize a lot of these ideas, right? So it's the, you know, you're introducing these ideas to students. You're trying to make them hear it over and over and over again when you talk about DEI, anti-racism, transgenderism, gender identity questions, uh, racial questions. Um, You want to normalize that conversation. They want to normalize that conversation so that by the time they get to college, it's all they're thinking about. And when they hear it all the time through university policies, we see university policies that specifically target student speech, that go after them and actually punish them for their constitutionally protected rights. But students don't know that they're supposed that they could even turn around and stand up for themselves because it's not something that they question because to them it actually sounds normal. And so that's kind of what's scary here is they've been hearing this for 12 years and they get to college and it's not surprising to them anymore. Your organization has sued schools over policies that infringe on students' rights, and you've had a lot of success with that as well. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So we've got a number of lawsuits out. We've got some very successful ones. We've won in the 5th and 6th and 11th circuits against UT Austin, University of Michigan, and University of Central Florida most recently. That was last year. And those were those were cases that involved bias response teams, which are these anonymous reporting mechanisms that are on college campuses across the country, where students are actually encouraged to report on one another anonymously for incidents of bias. And the universities will define bias however they want. And oftentimes it will be invo- involving constitutionally protected speech. It'll they'll say that bias is not using someone's preferred pronouns, being using offensive language, uh, saying a mean joke, stereotyping. These are the examples that. You universities list as bias that is a reportable offense that leads to disciplinary action on campuses. We've also sued schools on their harassment policies. I always encourage students to look at how their university defines harassment because oftentimes they will have a secondary harassment policy in addition to Title IX. And that secondary one, the university just kind of writes whatever they want. And a lot of times they will list constitutionally protected speech in their definition of harassment. I've seen schools recently that say just being biased is considered harassment. Just intimidating someone is considered harassment or talking about something that... So if you're a student, for example, a lot of these, the way these policies are written, it affects you on social media, on or off campus. So if you're a student and you maybe 
post a tweet online that says, I believe that a man can only be a man and a woman can only be a woman. There are a number of policies on your campus that likely could get you accused of harassment or bias to the point where you could be kicked off campus, expelled or suspended and investigated for your speech. Again, very much a fundamental, uh, you know, violation of your rights. Uh, but a lot of students do not question these policies because either they don't know they exist until it's too late or this whole system of enforcing these policies against people you don't agree with has become so normalized that they don't question it. And that is really, really concerning. So, yeah, our success has been focused on trying to eradicate these policies off these campuses and defending our student members' free speech rights. Definitely an important fight. Thank you so much, Sharice, for highlighting these issues for us today and also for protecting free speech in your work. Thanks for having me. All right, Madison, thanks so much for breaking that one down. Very important because there's things happening right now. They're trying to set standards on things that we don't really know a lot about. And it's something we need to be aware of now because if they put these standards in and you don't say anything and well, you're kind of stuck with them in most cases. So Appreciate you breaking that one down, Madison. All right, that's going to leave us with time here for one last thing on the podcast today. Going to take a look at 1 Timothy 6.3. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and doesn't agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he's puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in the mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. So just a reminder there to watch out for all of these false doctrines that are out there because they are out there in a lot of different forms, and we have to stick to the words that we see in Scripture and stay true to those as best we can. Understand there's going to be some disagreements, but we cannot be relinquishing the basic truths, the core truths of Scripture just for the winds of the world. All right, well, there's your solo edition of the podcast. Hopefully the triumvirate will be back tomorrow with more uh, news from a Christian perspective. Always a lot more lively when we have the, the fellas around to chat it up and to discuss these issues. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your Monday. And as always, Lord willing, and that creek don't rise on us. We'll be back here tomorrow with more. God bless. See you then.